All right, welcome everybody to the Force Carry Podcast. I'm Jace Cobb, and with me, as always, is Steve Cook and Fats from the Internet. Uh, we had a a couple days later than normal. We had some stuff come up, but we're we're back and uh, got a few things to talk about. I don't know exactly where we're going to go, but we'll figure that out as we go. But before we do that, I guess Steve, uh, what you been up to? I'll just uh, you know trying to pretend like I'm quarantining myself uh, for the people that care about that and uh, playing a bunch of golf as much as I can. So, yeah, just uh, trying to take advantage of this vacation that nobody wanted and wanted to see end as fast as possible. How's the golf game? Man, I'm convinced that unless you really decide to just commit 30 hours, 20 hours a week to it or whatever to practice, that you're just stuck in the handicap you've got. I mean, I have... I shoot between an 81 and an 85 every time I play. I shot a 76 or 77 or something a couple of months ago, and like, you, it, it's almost uh, it's almost sad, honestly. I, uh, but I enjoy it. I have a good. That, that's the whole thing. As long as you're good enough to enjoy it, I don't know how you hundred plus hackers or, or people like you know Ralphie who are out there uh, pretending to shoot an 82, you know. Uh, you know, at, at least at least I can get it down the fairway a little bit. I just kind of, I can't I can't cut those last three strokes, Jace. Yeah, the, I mean, <clears throat> to shave off a bunch early is hard, but to get to that next level would take a a lot of practice. But when you know, once you retire and you're just sitting on a boatload of cash, you're playing every single day. You'll eventually get good enough, but you'll be too old by then. It won't matter. So, I mean, this is your time. You could play every single day. You can get down at about seventy five to seventy eight. If you would just, you know, just go play 36 a day and, and be done with it. You know? Yeah, 36 a day, get a divorce and uh, forget what my kids look like. It'll be perfect. Yeah, I mean, we're all probably going to come out of a out of this in a divorce anyway. So you might as well just uh, speed the process up. So, Fats, what have you been up to? Uh, just to jump on that for a second, I, everyone made the same joke when all of this started and that just to see how many December babies were going to come as a result of this. So it either you're going to come out of quarantine pregnant or looking like you're pregnant. But then you start seeing the articles about divorce rates spiking in China and in different places. And from talking to some of my married friends, like I can definitely understand the, uh, the stress and the conflict that comes from being that close to someone 24 hours a day, every single day. Uh, other than that, I, I sat down, tried to watch a little bit of the draft earlier and ESPN about outwoked me in the first five minutes. So I just got it muted and kind of off to the side in the background just to see if some of these NFL GMs, hopefully if they just, uh, I want chaos and I want someone, like I want someone to, um, I want someone to hack the draft. I want something terrible to happen. Not like where anybody actually not terrible in the sense of uh, anything that's got cost any of these teams money, anything like that. I just want chaos. I, I want someone to do something stupid. I want someone to miss a pick or try to make a draft or a trade and not be able to. But so far, it's going way more uh, smoothly than I expected. But it looks like they're, what, they're eight picks in now. So there's plenty of time for these NFL GMs to screw something up tonight. What's the steal of the first eight picks, Fats, in your opinion? I watched one second of the draft. Uh, I have no idea. I Everyone's got to say Tua if he stays healthy, uh, falling to five because he was, I mean, far and away number one projected draft pick going into the season last year. But I, I want to, I don't want to come across as a, a 
Auburn homer or Alabama hater, but I am not. I'm not sold on Tua. I think Burrow is going to be good. I I'm just not sure about Tua. I'm, I don't know how he's going to hold up. But if he does stay healthy, him falling to five is probably going to be one of the steals of the first round. Go ahead, Steve. I, the guy that just got drafted from Clemson, uh, Isaiah Simmons. Every, I heard all this. It's so crazy. Like uh, this stuff goes on long enough, and you hear everybody start talking shit about these guys and. Uh, this guy's he's 6'3", 215, 225, runs like a 4'4". Like, yeah, he's going to suck in the NFL. He's a tweener is what they say. Uh, that guy will be on your TV screens doing crazy stuff for the next 10 years. Uh, he's a stud. Uh, I mean, he's not going to be uh, – it's not as flashy as a position of, like, you know, pass rusher or quarterback. But uh, I, ever since I've seen that guy – I mean, I, I unfortunately watch Clemson play a lot. And uh, he's probably the best athlete in this draft. And uh, I, I just I think no matter what sport, you never you never get hurt taking a great athlete. I was listening to a podcast earlier this week or maybe late last week, and it, they were talking about how much they moved him around at Clemson. And it was all the different positions that he lined up as. So either uh, if you grade him on his snaps as an outside linebacker, he graded off the charts. If you grade him uh, his snaps as an edge rusher, he's he's off the charts. As a as a slot corner, he's off the charts. As a safety, he's off the charts. Essentially, like it was four or five different defensive positions that he had 200-plus snaps last year, and he just grades off the charts at every single position, everywhere you put the guy. All right, that's, that's it right there. That's it. Um Edge rush. He played edge rusher and slot corner. I mean, get out. I mean, it's ridiculous. Hey, and your boy Cliff Kingsbury pulled the trigger on him, so good you know it's got to be a good decision. He's probably going to make him play wide receiver, so it doesn't. <laughs> it doesn't He's probably matter. just picked. He, he probably just picked him up so they could go out and get chicks together. You know. <laughs> so what, what else you been up to, fast? You, you, you guys. What y'all think about the uh, MJ doc? I'm sure everybody watched it. You got any thoughts about that? Well, I. I've heard nothing but great things about it. I have not watched it yet. I'll, I'll wait and let a couple more of the episodes build up and probably tear through all of it mostly at once. I, the only bar, part that I did see, it's another part of ESPN trying to piss me off with their wokeness, but it was flipping through and just seeing a little advertisement for it in the bottom corner of the screen. And it's like last dance and then the time, whatever it's coming on. And it, it had five people that they had in the advertisement. You had MJ you had Scotty, you had Rodman, you had Phil, and the fifth guy was Steve Kerr. It's one of these things is not like the others. I, I have no idea. What, I mean, I know, or at least I have a pretty good idea why Steve Kerr is in the advertisement for it. But I just saw that and almost passed out from rolling my eyes just from seeing him in the advertisement with the rest of those other four guys. Who are you putting there, Luke? I would just leave it at four, I guess. Uh, I guess Coach would probably be the next biggest name but it, he's not really he he was only in the last half of that half the country run. wouldn't even know who that was if you put him up there no so, so just so. yeah leave it as four maybe put bill winnington um will purdue bj armstrong bj armstrong yeah uh craig hodges there, there are plenty of people craig hodges was steve kerr before steve kerr steve steve cook what do you think about uh the uh last dance i know you're a big mj fan 90s guy that's right in your wheelhouse age-wise so, what do you think about? Uh, it? I mean, I, I mean, uh, cool documentary. I think it'll get better. I mean, y- y'all know the story about this documentary, right? About how it got filmed and all that. No. Uh, I mean, essentially, uh, 
the NBA said, Hey, we want to film your last season. And MJ was like, okay, but I'm not signing shit. And we'll deal with that down the road. So they filmed it. They've been sitting on this footage for what, what is this? 20 years. And, uh, I don't know. Jordan finally got rich enough where he didn't care because apparently he's not going to look good in this. Uh, you know, I don't care what he does. If if they say that he sacrificed a baby before Game Six, I'm like, whatever. It's, it's do what you got to do. But uh, you know, I guess he's to the point now he doesn't care. But you, you, you'll see they thread the footage out for so long and just do all this filler stuff. It was about an hour documentary that they're going to spread into about ten. You know, I don't know, nine hours or whatever, but um, I don't know. It, it's just kind of interesting that it's just it's just one of those things that they just had to wait till MJ was finally like, screw it. I mean, the, when they asked him about the cocaine, and he was just like, like started laughing. He's like, no, 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 I never never did cocaine. It's like, you know, I I, I would I would, I'd pay a couple hundred dollars every episode to see a lie detector on the screen with what he said, because. Uh, MJ's full of shit a lot, but yeah, love it. And I hate Steve Kerr so much. Um, never has a person, uh, ridden anybody's coattails as much as Steve Kerr has literally nobody, maybe Joe Biden, maybe, uh, but Steve Kerr, he's just a huge bitch. And, uh, I'm looking forward to his eventual woke commentary that he's going to provide in episode seven or eight. Well, first off, He, he rode their coattails in basketball. That's fine. Now as a coach, who could not win with Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, Draymond Green, and Kevin Durant? Luke Walton won like every game he coached whenever Steve Kerr was out of the league. I mean, any, any person could figure out how to win with that group of people uh, in today's NBA where all that matters is you can shoot threes and you've got those guys on your team. But anyways, uh, to not go on with uh, too far into that part of it, but – I enjoyed it. I, you know, I was, I'm younger than you, but I was old enough to remember that part of the Bulls. The younger, the first three Bulls was, I was, I was a little young for that. I, you know, vaguely remember some of it, but you know, I, I remember the last three pretty well, and I didn't remember the uh, turmoil that was there, uh, franchise-wise, with uh, the ownership and. Uh, you know, I didn't know, I, I didn't remember that that was Phil's last year before the year started. They told him, you know, this is your last chance. You know, all that kind of stuff. I might have heard it at some point in my life, but I just kind of, you know, didn't really remember it. So it was, it was good to see all that kind of, you know, stuff that I could remember from, I was probably in middle school, you know, about the same time I remember Tiger, you know, coming out and winning the Masters. You know, I remember all that stuff, but it, I don't remember the all the fine details of it, so... Uh, it was good to see all that, and I, I, I thought it was very interesting. And it was really cool to see Scotty as a high, I mean, Scotty as a high schooler look like a skinny LeBron. I mean, that was some of the best high school tape I've ever seen. Way better than Jordan's high school tape. Not saying he's better than Jordan <laughs> by any stretch, but his high school tape was as incredible as you've ever seen. Looked like Zion playing a bunch against a bunch of little five foot five kids. You know, just dominant athlete. See- that was his. That was his uh, junior college tape. He got to college as a six foot one trainer. Okay, JUCO. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. And then, and then he like. So I've never heard of this. Has anybody ever heard of a nineteen year old kid growing six inches? No. But and I, they said, I think it happened a couple of times because I don't know if they talk about it, but didn't Rodman have something yeah, similar yeah, where like, it, he had a huge growth spurt? So it's it's just weird that those two guys about the same size 
really similar path to the, in the way that they in, actually ended up in the NBA. But it makes a lot of sense because one of the little blurbs they said in the doc, I mean, Scotty Pippen was always just so smooth. That was, I was thinking about the Bulls back then. Everybody on the team was just so smooth. He, they said, you know, he retained his skills as a six foot one ball handler mm-hmm. and, and popped up to six. I mean, it, I always thought Scotty was like six, eight, six, seven at the, at least. And I mean, th- I just don't believe somebody can grow five or six inches in a year. But I don't know. Maybe that, that maybe that happens. I mean, if y'all ever personally ran into somebody who grew five inches when they were eighteen years old, Mm-mm, no. We, you know, uh, my wife's uh, uncle grew two or three inches his first year of college, but not. He grew to like six two. You know, <laughs> he didn't grow from six one to six seven or eight in college. You know, that's he, he's not in the NBA. No, no. <laughs> you know what I mean? I I've heard some people that have grown a few inches to like a. A normal or even taller than normal size height, but I've never heard of anybody going from like a six foot guy to a six foot eight guy, you know, in college is very weird. But I, I, he was um, lost in all that stuff for a lot of people is how athletic and gifted Pippen was. That dude was an absolute monster and would uh, dominate in today's NBA the way that he can play the versatility oh, yeah. that he has uh, would be, uh, you know, quite incredible. So. The whole Bulls yeah, thing. and they spent they spent a lot of time talking about how Scotty signed a shitty contract and was like, it was like seven years, eighteen million, something like that. Which I'm sure back in 1988 was like uh, uh, hitting the lottery for the rest of your life. But you know that Scotty Pippen actually had higher career earnings than Michael Jordan because Scotty stuck around for five or six extra years when that stupid money showed up. Mm-hmm. And anybody who was, you know, the top three players on the team made twenty five million dollars a year. So Scotty, Scotty ended up eclipsing Michael Jordan. I think he made like twenty or thirty million dollars more than Jordan did in like on the court earnings. Of course, Jordan eclipsed him in other ways. But uh, I thought that was kind of fun. They 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 kept acting like Scotty was poor. Scotty's doing just fine. He's not tipping people in the best restaurants in the world. He's not tipping. That's people, for sure. Probably anyways. But uh, so. Um, Speaking of Steve Kerr, he, uh, I look at people like that, professional athlete, you know, Steve Kerr is better than everybody you've ever seen play basketball. Um, he, you know, six, however tall he is, two, three. Does anybody know how tall Steve Kerr is? Somewhere in that ballpark? Yeah, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say above six, two. Wiry kind of guy. Do you think you could take Steve Kerr in a fight, Steve? All right. <sighs> Can I take Tana? Take Steve Kerr, nineteen ninety eight. No way, no way. Um, no, I'm not asking. That. Uh, right now, yeah, yeah, I can take him. Um, Fats is Fats. Yeah, he's got a bad back. back. Up on, yeah, I think I think that I, I think that he has some injury issues that I could exploit, and I think once I got him on the ground, he seems like a fetal position kind of guy. Mm-hmm. It's just something I always think about whenever I see athletes, even celebrities, but mainly athletes. Like it's very rare to I look at a professional athlete like I could take that guy in a fight. S- Steve Kerr is one of those guys, and usually it's just like reserved for kickers in football. Uh, it's usually not anybody else that plays any other position, any other sport. But he's one of the rare. He actually plays a normal position in a normal sport, and I feel like today, you know. You know, push comes to shove. I could, I could take Steve Kerr in a fight, Fats. What do, you, what do you think about that? I, w- I would wreck Steve Kerr. We, um, <laughs> we, we talk a lot about golfers, and like, there's probably a lot of golfers 
that I could take. Mm-hmm. But I also, uh, I bet there are a lot that are deceptively big. That, like, true. I would I, I would need to pack a lunch like much more than I anticipate. Um, and that's not even getting into like the Bryson of no. the world or, or those guys, the, the DJ, those guys. I'm just talking about like some of these guys who are 150th player on tour that you look at and think, oh, whatever, I can take that guy. But you don't know that guy's background. Um, athletes is a different thing. You brought up celebrities. Like I look at celebrities all the time and just think, oh, I'm definitely whooping that guy's ass. I'm definitely taking that guy. Those are way more fun to think uh, of for me. Right. Um, but to, to steer it back to athletes, like Steve Kerr, definitely. And I need to think of a couple of, of good names. What about you, Steve? Like you talked about before about how you, you think if you were in the same room as Sergio, like how long would it take you to get him to take a swing at you? Oh, I think I could get him to take a swing at me within a couple minutes at the most. I mean, I, and only, only it could be quicker than that, except for I'd have to, his people would probably push me off a couple times. It'd take me a while to get back around to him. But, uh, yeah, I feel like Sergio, I could get him to snap fairly quickly. Well, Go ahead. Well, no, I was just going to say like, okay, so I need to think of the best way to phrase this, but I guess it would be like, so, okay, just somebody, maybe right, so sir, not, not the sir, Sergio level, like off the beaten path, but just like somebody that we would not expect you to say that someone that you would, that you would want to try to get to take a swing at you. Okay. So, so I always think it's one of those things where like who, I, I don't like when people are like, Oh, that piece of shit, you know, Tom Brady, I'd beat his ass. I hate him. Tom Brady would kill you. He would kill you. Right. I mean, he's a, well, not a great, great example, but yeah, he's a big guy. So if I'm talking about picking a fight with a guy, I'm talking about a guy that I can hang with. I'm not going to throw a punch and run. Okay. I'm going to plan on this fight lasting at least a minute. You know, we're going to have to maybe roll around on the ground a little bit. Uh, who are we talking about golf strictly right now? Or what are we doing? It's, it's the 50, 50 thing, right? I can, we can all name a yeah. golfer that we could not beat up. We can all name a golfer that we could easily beat up. Who are the gray area guys that you're just like, eh. All right. Okay. All right. Okay. I got you. Okay. I'll give you a couple guys that I definitely can't beat up. Ernie Els, BJ Singh, <laughs> Tiger Woods, Brooks Kepka. Those guys are, uh, Brooks is, yeah, he could probably still work me. He's in better shape than me right now. All right. Tweener guys. I mean, I don't want to go onto the senior PGA tour, but I am 40 years old. Uh, I would work David Tom's ass. Um, I would absolutely destroy Corey Pavin. Ian Woosnam, all those guys, I'd kill them. All right, I'll give you a couple guys in my gray area. Uh, Nick Faldo, gray area. Big I'm going to say no. Big dude, a little older. He's in shape. Can he's we probably fought. After you go gray area, can we give our opinion and see if we think you'd win? Sure. Okay, I'm going to say no for Faldo. I'm thinking he takes okay. you easily. Fats, no di- you no disrespect. Um, how Faldo's like 6'3", 2'2". 15 or something. I think he's like 6'1", but whatever. I mean, he's definitely big. and He's a big know, dude. It, it, old man strength. Um, I bet I bet Faldo gasses early, though. If Steve can, <laughs> if, if you can, if you can survive like the first 30, 45 seconds, I think you've got a chance. All right. All right. I got, I got an interesting matchup. I think I could, I think I could take Jordan Spieth, but I'm not sure. Okay. I, I think that'd be a he good doesn't fight. seem like he's been. A, he doesn't seem like he's yeah. been in a fight before, but he's pretty fucking competitive. Here's my here's my two things about Jordan Spieth. <clears throat> Jordan Spieth's one of those guys that's bigger in person than he looks on TV. I've seen him at Colonial. Um, 
he's tall. And he's got like a brother that played in the NBA, and I'm sure they fought a bunch, and I'm sure that guy can actually fight a little bit. Uh, I, I don't know. Spee's, a, Spee's bigger than you would think he is. You know, Preston, you know, you know, a Dallas private school kid, hasn't been in a lot of fights, street fights. Probably he's never been in one, obviously. But I'm sure he's fought with his brother several times, and his brother was, a, you know, a G League NBA player that can probably – Fight a little bit. I think that'd be tough. I, I'm going to say yeah. probably taking Spieth. Not as definitive as Faldo, but probably taking Spieth. It, it, it's tough. It's tough. It's I'll tough. give you that. Go I ahead. Fast, you got Although, any thoughts? Well, I was just going to say just about every fight I've ever been in started on a basketball court. I, so basketball players, like he's not been in street fights, but it's very easy playing pickup. It's, I fought with more friends playing pickup basketball than like I've ever gotten into scraps with strangers. Um, Steve said, when he said Ian Woosnam, it made me think of a name that I think reflexively, if you said Ian Poulter, that everyone would think, oh, I'm, I'm whooping that guy's ass. But have you ever seen him in person? Like, no, cause I just looked, he's listed as six one. I wonder how big he is in person. And I guarantee you, he's been survived. He's had, he's had a lot of people take swings at him. Yes, my yeah, guys, yeah. My great, my number one gray area, um, exact same size as me, pretty much the same age. Uh, Martin Kimer, I, I would like to see what that fight looks like. He's, you know, oh, he's probably geez. about six foot one eighty. Um, German guy. He's been he's been <laughs> fighting off women for his entire life. That's true. That's true. Uh, he's one of my gray area guys. I, he'd be one that I was like, eh, I'm not too sure either way. Um, Graham McDowell is another one of those guys. Graham McDowell's smaller in stature, but he's 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 shorter, but he's heavy. He's a beer drinker. Guarantee you, he's been in several fights at a bar in his life. Uh, he's one guy that you know, not who you'd first think of. Uh, somebody you wouldn't want to mess with, but he'd he'd be one that would give me some pause. Also, probably wouldn't want to get in a fight with G Mac. Uh, he he's probably been in a few fights in his in in his life. So those are the two first ones that kind of uh, jump out for me. I'm, I'm going to think of an American golfer here in a second. I, I've got a name, unless Steve, unless you've got one you wanted to jump in with. I just looked him up. Forty-one years old, five foot ten, Kevin Strillman. Like, I think that's a nice middle ground. I don't know how uh, – I doubt Kevin Stroman has ever been in a fight in his life, or not in his adult life, but you never know. Maybe he's been out there in uh, – where is he from? Winfield, Illinois. I have no idea where that is. Uh, resident Scottsdale. I'm going to guess he has not been getting into many scraps out in Scottsdale. Um, I'm going to say I'll whoop Kevin Stroman's ass. I'll put that on tape right now. All right, I got one for you, and okay. this is going to be controversial. If this was given to the general public, the, I know which way they would go, but I think it's closer than you think. Rory McIlroy, okay? Yeah, he looks kind of buff. No. But he's a midget, okay? He's a little guy. And I have been in with, next to him in person. He's a, he's, he's a little guy, and I do not think that guy fights. And have you seen... When he fist pumps, he looks like he's never done anything athletic in his life. And I, I remember one year he like won something and threw a golf ball into the stadium. And he throws similar to my son did when he was like five years old. 
So he doesn't have a lot of coordination. I'm with you on that. Rory may be defined, like his muscles may be defined, but he's a tiny person, and he's not, despite what how graceful his golf swing is, not the most coordinated guy uh, out there. I'm with you. I'm I, I'm not worried about Rory. He's the he's the chubby little fat kid that he was when we first met him. That lifted weights. Yeah, I I agree with everything both of you said on Rory. Jace, I'm, I may have found the matchup for you. A, a six foot even, not a like a big guy. Who do you think is winning if you scrap with Billy Horschel? Ooh, uh, probably Horschel. He's uh, he, he's a little white trash for me, and he's quick. He, he, he's got he's got more anger than you do. I believe <laughs> he, he looks faster than I do, and he looks he looks just dumb enough that he's probably been in several more fights than I have. So I'm gonna probably just put my ego aside. I mean, I don't think he just wipes the floor with me, but he's definitely a gray area guy that I probably would not uh, choose to fight. And and I'm not a Billy Horschel fan at all. And I want to just say I'd beat beat Billy Horschel's ass, but in the, uh, you know, I'm going to be honest and say I'm not so sure that I would be able to take Billy Horschel in a fight. So that's a good one. That's a really good one, Faz. <laughs> Steve, you got any no, more? I, I, I think Billy Horschel is definitely taking me. Um, if nothing else, I think it shows that we can be a little more. Um, a little more honest than you would expect when you first bring up the conversation, because everyone always tells you they'll whoop everybody's ass. But uh, I think we've come up with plenty of names that we we feel confident that we could handle, but are also like not too proud to admit that like that dude's gonna beat my ass. Mm-hmm. Who's a who's uh, the other way? Who's a guy that may be bigger or meaner looking than you would think on the tour that you feel good about taking? Um, is there any? Is, can you think of it the other way? I feel like John Rahm's a huge puss. I, that's that was the very first thought that I have. What do you think about Patrick Reed? Uh, I'm I've, worried about Justine. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm more worried that I'm going to get murdered when I leave the fight. But I, I feel like Patrick Reed's never been in a fight that's lasted longer than thirty seconds. I don't, you know, like. Go ahead. I don't think Tiger can fight. You said Tiger early in the list of people that could get down. I'm not too sure that Tiger Woods can fight anybody. Uh, and I, I would let I would Tiger... let him pummel me with. The, yeah, I, I mean, I would just stand yeah. there. I mean, I think he could take me too, but he's not. I don't think he's the number one guy that I would not want to fight with. And I think we could both agree that the people there's way more golfers from like the late '90s, early 2000s to me that would be way off my list than there are now. There's more kind of. I wouldn't want to fight Hal Sutton. I wouldn't want to fight Steve Elkington. I wouldn't want to fight several of those guys from like kind of the late '90s era. Uh, you know, do so. you think Ernie and VJ could beat all three of us at one time? <laughs> Ernie, oh, yeah. Ernie I, could. I, I think Ernie's laying whoever out he wants to first, and then it's two on two, right? I mean, those are some big boys. Angel Cabrera, knocking of, he's knocking one of us out and then picking us up to knock the other two out. I'm, if I'm setting up a prize fight, I'm going to set up Angel Cabrera and Ernie Els. And so I got Angel. He's a smoker, so his lungs are bad. But he grew up dirt poor. Um, guarantee you he's been in more fights than anybody that's ever played professional golf. I can, I can almost guarantee you that. He's a big guy. He's fearless. You can tell by the way he plays golf. Um, Angel Cabrera looks like somebody to me that is not one bit worried about throwing down with somebody. What about Keegan? 
Keegan's a big boy. He's bigish. He's a, but he kind of he kind of got cowered down by Miguel Angel Jimenez that one time in the fairways. <laughs> so I don't know. I don't know if Keegan. He might well, let's be, be honest. Most of the current American guys are just country club, you know, dorks. And you know they 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 obviously are all very successful millionaires now, but they were. They have lived very sheltered, privileged lives, and uh, I think you're on the, you're on the money picking some of those guys that are kind of from outside the pocket of that. Like, you know, I, and I think honestly, this discussion has really proved to me more than ever before that like guys that came through the '80s and were in their prime in the '90s are drastically superior in toughness than anybody in the modern day. You know, it happened in golf, and it certainly has happened. Uh, in the NBA, let me tell you this: the only other guy, the only guy who's reversed that trend, Phil Mickelson in 2020, would beat the shit out of Phil Mickelson 1998. Uh, not a doubt. Correct. Could now 240 pound Bryson? Could he beat 210 pound Bryson? Depends on the angles. Uh... <laughs> Bryson is huge, by the way. You sent me that video of him. I mean, how many you're watching the draft? Who is the last six one, two hundred and forty pound linebacker to get drafted? I mean, is is Bryson the biggest linebacker in the first round no, no. of the draft? Oh, the there'll be a middle linebacker from LSU that may be a late first round draft yeah. pick. But comp, Bryson's bigger than that guy. No, the comp the comp this week was Saquon Barkley. That's <laughs> okay. the that's the comp. They are both six one, two hundred and forty pounds. Just think about that for a second. One runs a four three. One runs a five three. <laughs> one runs. One can't run forty yards. But uh, well, they were talking about how how he was like. What, so what's the max of your potential of gaining weight? And he said, I think I. Bryson says this now. Bryson said, I think that if I could maintain flexibility, I'd like to get up to around two hundred and seventy pounds. Oh please, <laughs> let me see it. The uh, that was one of the very first questions when we talked about this months ago when he he said like his ideal weight or target weight but he didn't say what it is and we all wanted to know what that number is and we joked about like Aaron Donald like six one two ninety and ripped two seventy is still much bigger than I ever expected him to actually say oh, I can't wait we. Uh... <clears throat> the, the only the, the thing I'm most proud about on this golf podcast, and we've been doing this for several months and whatever, uh, we've had a lot of bits that have been picked up by popular golf people or whatever. But back when it was not cool, like when nobody, when everybody hated Bryson, everybody hated Bryson. I came on here and said, of all the people on tour, Bryson will be the the nonstop content master of golf and will be the guy that we talk about for the rest of the year, and he's one of my favorite characters in golf. And at this, to say that now seems like no big deal. But at the time, everybody hated him. Nobody wanted to talk about him. Nobody had anything to do with Bryson. But there's just something about that dude that he is, I mean, there's nobody like him. And I'm very happy that he's just taken this weight gain stuff even farther than we anticipated him taking it. And it's actually working. He's out there just, you know, just smashing balls. He's going to be – I'm just very anxious to see where this uh, goes from him uh, moving forward because 
it's it's quite enjoyable to me because he is the character that I hoped he would be. Bo Hossler was a guy that I was wrong about being that guy, but Bryson is the one guy that I'm going to be uh, right about being the uh, content guy for years to come, golf-wise. I've been kind of worried about who would pick up the mantle of being like my favorite golfer. Cause it's nice to have like one or two guys that you want to, to root for that. Not even necessarily everybody else is rooting for. And Duffner has been that guy for me forever, but he's just, he's not, he's not a contender. He's not like a top tier player anymore. As sad as that is for me to admit, but this may, I don't know, this may be an argument against me even being on this podcast, but I have to be the only golf fan in the world whose three favorite golfers are Webb Simpson, Bryson DeChambeau, and Patrick Reed. So if nothing else, like I guess I can bring that, uh, that angle to some of the conversations we have. I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing, but uh, if, if I start seeing Webb really getting talked up on Twitter, then I'm going to... Uh, I'm going to have to start sending some cease and desist letters. Yeah. Well, uh, Steve, what else you want to talk about? Tiger, Phil, Tom, Peyton deal. You want to talk about that? Yeah. I mean, I, I guess that came out um, there. It's going to be later this month or later in May. Uh, I, I honestly had the teams wrong. I thought it was going to be Tom and, and Tiger, but it's uh Tiger and Peyton versus uh, Phil and Brady, I, to, I can't, to me, this kind of match, depending on how they present it, they're probably, they'll probably ruin it. But to me, this is infinitely more interesting than anything besides a major or the Ryder cup. I, I, I just, I, I just would just, it's more relatable to me. And, uh, I also looking forward to see them play a course that's going to be, I don't know, kind of, uh, I don't know. Of course, we don't see. I hear it's Seminole is what I've heard. That'd be awesome. If it or was. the medalist is the medalist is the other one that I've that I've heard is a possibility. Seminole would be awesome. Who who you? What are your thoughts about the match? I you already uh, proved me wrong. I thought Tom was a way better golfer than his handicap suggests. But what are you thinking match wise for that? Man, this 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 thing just seems it's just weirdly enough. Tiger does not do well if it's not tiger alone uh and then he doesn't do well on exhibition stuff i just feel like this is a match made for peyton and phil i mean this is the kind of shit they live they they are yeah yeah tom and phil yeah yeah. i I just feel like they are absolutely um i don't know just just they they're gonna they're gonna have a better time doing this and i just don't think peyton plays that much golf anymore although i don't think tom plays that much golf I'm really looking forward to watching it. Again, frankly, I think it's more relatable to watch Tom Brady hit a golf ball than Tiger hit a golf ball. I think it's more interesting to see. If Tiger was playing this against Phil, I don't really care. I don't really care. I mean, like you, I think you said this. If Tiger and Phil played tomorrow, they're within a couple strokes of each other every time. It's not a big deal. But, like, Tom Brady under pressure in a golf tournament, I, I'm interested to see what would happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's, you know, they've – They've played at the biggest stage in sports and all that stuff, but golf is a whole, whole different thing when you're by yourself and you're going to have all those eyes on you. I want to see, I want to see who plays well. I'm with you. I think despite what their handicaps may say, and I don't know what Peyton's been doing. Tom has a better golf swing than Peyton. Tom hits it better than Peyton. Um, I take Tom's mental game over Peyton any day of the week. 
Tom, Tom is like Tiger. Tom is a winner. He's smart, but he's not overly... He doesn't just beat everything to death, you know. He's he uh, he goes with his gut. He's 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 just a winner. He's smart. He does that kind of stuff. F- to me, Phil and Peyton are kind of the same kind of overly analytical, super down to the you know just the way they 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 may not be as you know mentally as strong or have the uh, the killer instinct of Tiger and Tom. But they're both kind of the cerebral type golfers of their generation and football players of their generation. So it's interesting that they're on different teams, but I think they complement each other. But, you know, Tiger Phil, like, yeah, that's what we talked about. Anytime they go play, they're within a shot of each other. I mean, look at their scoring average over their entire career. I'm sure they're no more than one or two shots, which is basically one or two putts around away from each other. Not that interesting to me. Uh, however, I do want to see crunch time wise, uh, Tom and Peyton, I don't care so much from the normal golfer standpoint because, uh, you know, if I was closer to their level of golf, it might be more intriguing to me, but I know kind of what's going to happen between those two. Uh, I just want to see, you know, how they respond to it and, uh, I, I, I probably pick Phil and Tom too, but we'll see. I just hope it's at a cool course. I hope it's mic'd up. I hope they got a lot of real, you know, cool trash-talking type stuff because they're all good trash-talkers, I'd imagine. Uh, I bet the, I bet it'd be a really, really interesting – it'd be really great. You know, they did the last dance. They did the ESPN version that was uncut. They did the ESPN2 version that was uh, edited or whatever. It'd be great if they just let the cameras roll, had a stream somewhere that was just live, no edits, cuss words – actual trash talk, what they're actually saying to each other, have them mic'd up walking. That to me would be the ultimate version of that because I would imagine those four particularly are excellent trash talkers. It would be hilarious. Even if the golf was terrible, it'd be hilarious just to listen to those four guys talk trash to each other and listen to Tom and Peyton talk about football jabs at each other and, and yada, yada, yada. So I think it'd be good from that standpoint. Well, And have Phil egging it on. And the tiger egging it on. See, that's the thing that is weird. You hear that the last match, although that most golf, hardcore golf people were like, eh, it sucked. It was the biggest golf event in the last decade, without a shadow of a doubt. It, it moved the needle on Twitter. Um, the ratings were crazy. Like, more people wrote about it. Like, if you're a hardcore golf fan, you're like, eh, that didn't matter and nobody cared. It mattered more than any Masters you've ever watched, besides Tiger winning, right? Believe it or not. And um, the one problem, I think, with it was that Tiger doesn't know how to – when a camera's in his face, he's not real Tiger. He's just got that guard up. And so he just couldn't he, – he's, he's like a legendary shit talker, but didn't talk any shit during that, right. that round. Well, when you get a guy spurring him on, I mean, you, what do you think he's going to say when Peyton – you know, says, "Hey, you lost the last. Don't miss this putt. You lost right. the last. You missed the last one." Right. I mean, I, I just, I'm looking for, forward to seeing that. And, uh, you know, I mean, who knows? I, with those guys spurring it along, but I, I'm also one. One of the things is to put this kind of event on TV. That one of the issues is, if you're trying to bring in casual golf folks, how do you? What are you going to do? Is it captain's choice? Is it play your own ball? God, for God's sakes, don't introduce handicaps. That's just too confusing. I'm interested in how they're going to do that. 
true captain's choice, you can't really do that, right? I mean, you can't give a professional a read on every putt, that kind of thing. Maybe you play the whole scramble where they take the best drive and play in. I, I don't know. I'm, I'm interested to see how that all goes because that'll that'll obviously be a determining factor. On I don't want to see Peyton chunking it out of a bunker to 40 feet. You know what I mean? I would do alternate shot and have Tom and Peyton hit at the same time. You know, Phil and Tiger hit at the same time, do alternate shot. I think that'd be the most intriguing. I think that'd be the most fair. You don't have to handicap it that way. They're close enough handicap-wise. It shouldn't matter. Um it is it is interesting to me to trash talking wise because you get to see a normal golfer play Tiger, but you, if you're a six or eight handicap, Steve, I don't know what your handicap is, but let's say you're as good as Peyton, and you talking trash to Tiger means nothing to Tiger because you're a six handicap golfer that owns a restaurant. Well, if you're a six-handicap golfer that's won three Super Bowls or two Super Bowls or whatever Peyton's won and won MVPs in your sport and you're like a real, you know, Hall of Fame athlete, you can get off some trash talk that you wouldn't be able to get away with as a normal golfer. But he's What am I going to say to Tiger? Yeah. Right. But, but, but even though Tiger is, you know, infinitely better than Peyton at golf, Peyton, Peyton can get off certain elements of trash talking because he's, you know, he's one of the best football players of all time, elite athlete. So he's got some stuff in his holster that might could get to Tiger, you know, whereas if you talk trash to Tiger, it means nothing to him. But if, if you've got a Hall of Fame football player saying that he chokes or whatever, trying to get in his head, he might be able to get in his head more than, you know, just some standard eight handicap golfer guy, you know, would be able to get in his head. And you know Tiger cares about uh, that kind of stuff. And, and there's an element, you know, they're golfers, but, you know, Tiger watches Tom Brady play golf and Tiger watches Peyton play golf. And I'm not saying they're going to be nervous, but neither one of them want to, you know, they don't want to let, Phil doesn't want to let down Tom Brady either, you know, because Tom Brady's a bigger, cele- he's in their, the, in their environment, but Tom Brady's the bigger celebrity, the bigger athlete, the more accomplished, bigger everything than Phil. So, you know, there's a little bit of pressure on Phil to not let it down for Tom, even though, you know, Tom's not even a real golfer, you know, but it's it's just a, it, in that kind of deal, it's kind of a different dynamic. So it's kind of cool. Whereas if it's just a six handicap playing with Tom, he would have no pressure, or Phil, he'd have no pressure. But when it's, you know, a bigger celebrity, famous guy, whatever, it might kind of affect those guys a little bit also, you know. So. I'll tell you a rumor I heard today, and then I'll pass it over to Fats for his uh, statistical breakdown of who to bet on in this turn, this uh, golf event. Uh, there is a rumor that Tom Brady's caddy will be Giselle. Uh, that would be uh, that'd be a nice twist on things. I think that could be you know, look, I know Tiger settled down a little bit, but you get Giselle to wander through his eye line when he's lining up a putt. I'm not so sure that doesn't make a huge difference. Pat, you got any thoughts from a, uh, a a gambling breakdown? No, but I will. Um, we have time to figure out exactly what the format is going to be and all of this. And then there are, so I think there are three different ways that you would break it down that you would want to to rank the guys to figure out how you are going to bet. And there's one you just want to know one, two, three, four, ranking them from who's the best golfer to who's the worst. I think it's Tiger Phil, but we don't know between Tom and Peyton who would be three and four. 
it, it's interesting that Steve mentioned the trash talk because if they were playing on a Monday with no one there, I would rank them differently one to four. If you put Tiger in front of the camera, he's fourth on my list of the guys who's talking trash. Like I think it's Phil one, Tiger four, and then between Peyton and Brady, like they're somewhere two and three. And then the more important way to rank them is if all four of them fight, we need to rank them one, two, three, and four. <laughs> who's winning in a fight? Because I think Phil and Tom are going to beat Peyton and Tiger in just a straight up fight. And I don't know, I, maybe Phil and Tom are just sweeping this. Maybe they're the better trash talkers. Maybe they would beat their ass and maybe they're going to win the golf tournament. Like uh, right now, my, my initial lean is I'm leaning a Phil Tom Brady, just clean sweep across the board here. Oh, I, I agree with you. I think, I think, uh, Phil and Tom winning a fight hands down right now. So, I mean, I, I gotta be honest with you. Peyton Manning. Bad he's neck. so ugly. He's so ugly. He's gotta be able to fight. <laughs> yeah, but it's not like he grew up ugly and poor. He grew up ugly and rich. So I'll tell you, yeah, I'll tell it, you right it, now. He may have been I'm, the most, um, uh, of all four. He may have grown up with the, yeah. whatever the most secure upbringing. Yeah. I'll, I'll tell no, you right now though. If Tiger and Phil, I'm sorry, Tiger and uh, Peyton, like, get swung on, they're both, their attorneys and agents are stepping in between them, <laughs> you know, immediately. <laughs> There's no chance they're throwing blows for real. L let's be honest with it. Let's be honest here. This is going to be an absolute patty cake match, but at the end of the day, you take four of the legit, I mean, I don't top 10 is, is probably stretching it, but, you know, they're definitely some of the top players to ever two of maybe the, the best players. And then two the two other guys, that's why these exhibition events tend to get won by the guys that aren't as good because it means more to them. You don't think it meant more to Phil than to beat to beat Tiger. I mean, Tom Brady, you don't think that Peyton really like has a chip on his shoulder, whatever he says about Brady. You don't think he thinks he was better than Brady. Of you know, course I mean, if, if he thinks if he was in New England, he would have won eight championships, you know? Mm -hmm. uh, anyway, I'm uh, looking forward to watching it, and I hope it's not ruined by, you know, whatever they decide to to crumple it up into be. But uh, And I also would love to see Seminole. And also Medalist. Medalist is a golf course uh, designed by Greg Norman down in Jupiter, near Jupiter, Florida. That is, I, I mean, I, I don't think I've ever read about a golf course more than Medalist. Uh, and they don't uh, golf right. course. They don't play events on Th those. Those tour pros live there, and I'd love to see what it looks like. I mean, they're playing it all the time. It's got to be a decent track. Yeah. Okay. That's. Uh, I mean, I, what else are we gonna talk about? I got nothing else to talk about. Y'all got anything? No, I, I just got distracted by um by Steve's boy Ken Law being drafted, and I'm just just trying to catch up to see who actually has gone in the last hour. So. Fort. Uh. The. The. Uh. Bucks moved up one spot of swap spots with the 49ers to grab a stud left tackle. So Tom Brady was like, look, I'm not spending my time on the dirt. Although he spent a lot of time in the dirt in New England the past couple of years, but I love that team so much. I'm not a huge NFL fan. Like I love to watch the NFL. I don't have a real rooting interest for a team because Cam made me hate the Panthers, but I just, I'm a Tom Brady fan. And is that lame to be a player? fan i mean is that is that okay to do 
I, no, I, I don't have an NFL team. I just have guys that I like and I don't like, and I will follow them to wherever they go. I grew up, you know, five hours away from any NFL professional team, so I've always just rooted for players that I like or players from my school. I mean, I, I root for the Mavericks and them, whatever, if they're in the, you know, the championship or whatever. But I, I don't have any allegiance to people just from my location because I'm not that close to anybody. So I, I root for players. I root for Tom. I hope he plays good this year. Unless Pat Mahomes retires, he's not going to win the Super Bowl, so it doesn't matter. But, uh, <laughs> you know, I root, you know, hope he plays well, hope he can get back to the uh, – he 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 left the AFC real fast, but you know you know hopefully it was a good decision for him to get over there and have a chance to get to the Super Bowl again. So, yeah, a, a Mahomes Brady Super Bowl would be the second be greatest great. quarterback Super Bowl matchup of all time behind Peyton and Ken. <laughs> right. It it feel it feels very Jordan esque. I mean, it feels very like I'm not quite done. I got to go somewhere else and see if I can do it. Uh, I, I it's going to be real real sad if. Tom Brady's career ends with a knee injury in the 13th game of next year's season when they're like six and, you know, eight or whatever. I just, you know, but also I, Elway, I, when does it end pretty, you know, uh, Tom will be okay. He'll have the WWE 24 seven champion there with him everywhere he goes. I uh, no one's going to mess with him when he's got a, a professional wrestler, a champion professional wrestler like Gronk on the same sideline. Well, look, again. they're 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 obviously going to have to get that title off of him before game one, or actually the first preseason game. Uh, hell, before the first practice, or else some random seventh round draft pick for the Bucks is going to be the twenty four seven champ when they take Gronk down on a crossing route. I, I'm hearing that Gronk is going to drop the belt to Ernie Yells. <laughs> yeah, it's a. Uh... That that part gets overstated. If Tom goes there and doesn't do anything for three years and retires, nobody's going to care. Nobody cares that Tom, uh, that Joe Montana went to the Chiefs and didn't do anything. And nobody said that he only won because of uh, Bill Walsh. Uh, he's still, if not the GOAT, the second GOAT. And Tom Brady will be that no matter what happens in Tampa Bay. So it doesn't really matter to me. He's going to have more weapons than he's had in, I don't know, since – the year he got hosed on the best team ever that lost in the Super Bowl. So, uh, Who'd they lose to that year? The Giants. Oh, that stupid-ass helmet catch, right? Still the best team I've ever seen. They didn't win a Super Bowl. They're still the best football team I've ever seen in my entire life. So, I it, guess it literally changed the, it changed the whole NFL to just be like, let's just get some dominant defensive linemen and we'll be just fine. We can uh, erase all the holes on our team. That was what Strahan, and they had oh, they had all kind of OC, studs on that team. Oh, Yuri was he on that team? Just the helmet catch. I mean, that, you watch that. That's why I guess the NFL is the best sport because you watch that game, that that play a hundred times, and you're like, that that could never happen again. Mm-hmm. Could never happen again. It was the most ridiculous catch in the world. Uh, yeah, we, we obviously are in desperate need of some sports analyzing a twenty year old Super Bowl. Yeah. Was, I, was, I was just doing the same thing, bringing it back to what we talked about in the beginning, because the way you mentioned, like, regardless of what happens, no one's going to judge him differently if he's not that great in Tampa Bay. And I was thinking the same thing about Jordan, his last two seasons with the Wizards. But Jordan's last season with the Wizards, he played 37 minutes a night, 20 and 6, and still shot 45% from the field. Oh, he was God. 39 <laughs> and, and played more minutes than pretty much any guy plays 
during a game now. Uh, they're whatever everyone's on these minute restrictions and uh, their load management and all that stuff. He was playing 37 minutes, 20.6 rebounds, four assists, 45% from the field after he had been retired for three years and came back. All right, well, we're 50 minutes in, Steve. Uh, you said you could go for a few hours tonight, but you look to be a little fading over there. But now that brings me to I, a I, point. You said that the Bulls have wiped the floor with the prime uh, Shaq Lakers. And uh, I I disagree with that. So um, let's hear what you have to say about uh, about that. Uh, if we're gonna, sure, if sure. We're in a debate, might as well do it. It's very difficult to try to project how any other Impossible. team outs, outside of the prime Shaq era would have defended Shaq. Mm-hmm. Okay. But I don't give a shit. Okay. And after like 1970-ish, no team needed a dominant center to win. I guess Kareem, right? Shaq was not Kareem. Shaq uh, cannot the score Rockets? in multiple ways. So, all right, so let, let, let me just break this down. So, so back in the early 2000s when Shaq was in his prime and they were winning championships, did you feel it's it right now? It's 101 to 102. The Lakers are down. Kobe's bringing the ball up. You're a Lakers fan. Do you trust dumping the ball to Shaq for the last sec? I mean, do you, no. the last shot? Absolutely not. Of course not. So that to me is the deal breaker there, right? Like when your stud can't take the last shot, and they did have Kobe, right? But I just that would to me was always the Shaq could not score at will on a final possession, right? Shaq could run a whole game and he would kick your ass. But when it really got down to, to, to the end, that was where he had a, had a problem. I, I just that would that to me is the separation. Jordan Jordan, the Bulls, even the guys that won the championships for them, they were kicking it out to wing players because there was so much attention on them. They they had so much more versatility. I just feel like uh, there's absolutely. I'll take MJ on the Wizards versus Kobe and the uh, and Shaq. I'm MJ not going to listen prom. to that blasphemy. MJ and his prom. <laughs> uh yeah, the thing it has to be it has to be a close game for that to matter, and there's no one on that Bulls team that can deal with Shaq. So you got to figure that out. Kobe is not as good as MJ. Uh, Kobe's my generation. Kobe is my favorite player, but I'm not even going to pretend to make an argument that he's anywhere comparable to Michael Jordan. However, Kobe is better than any shooting guard that Michael Jordan has ever played against in his career. Oh God, I it is about all that. Well, who's who? Who is the guy from his prime that's a shooting guard that's better than Kobe? Because you you're not going to name one. So if even if he is not as good as MJ, he would give him the you know the biggest challenge that he ever had to face for any of his uh, championships by far easily. So he would still get some points, and he would do better against him than anybody else that he was playing because there was no shooting guards in the nineties. Reggie Miller. Is that the second best shooting guard of the '90s? He is not even in Kobe's universe as a shooting guard. Yeah, so, you're talking about Clyde. You know, you're talking about. I mean, you know, is Magic a shooting guard? Not really, but you I mean you're talking about guards. I mean, you're right. I, I'll give you that. But but here's why: because Michael Jordan changed the entire NBA, and Kobe correct. Bryant was just was just MJ Junior. That's true. MJ Light. I'm not that's arguing all he was. that. I, I, yeah, I'm not so, arguing that. But 
you're taking a team from the future against a team from the past, and you've got the Kobe because of Michael that is a poor man's version of Michael Jordan, but still a better version of than anything else that was there during do, Michael's prime. Do you think prom? Do you think prom Shaq is better than prom Ewing, Patrick Ewing? Um, not even close. You, you you think it's not even close? I don't even think it's I don't even think it's debatable. Prime Shaq? No. Prime Shaq. I, no. I, I mean, I'm, Shaq had like I'm five not, years, but yes, no. I don't even think it's close. No. I, I think I think that Ewing was at least, an, and he got they got to play a little later in his career when he was on his prime. But Ewing at least had a full sized game, whereas. Shaq just ran your ass over, dunked on you, kind of got bodied, bodied in the middle, got a lot of rebounds, got a lot of blocks. I mean, I, I love Shaq. I hate talk. I, Ewing's I hate a better overround player, sure. But could Ewing stop ha- Shaq? Nobody could stop Shaq when he got the ball in the paint. Okay, who's going to deliver the ball in the paint? I, here's my point. I don't think that in a 88 to 89 type game, which is what it would be if there these two teams are slugging it out, that Shaq's going to have that kind of play. Because you know what's, what, what's going to happen, man? Bill Winnington's going to foul out in the first quarter, okay? And then they'll bring in Stacey King to foul out in the second quarter. And then they'll bring in, I, I don't know, Phil Jackson will put a uniform on, foul out in the third quarter. And Shaq will go three for 16, and the Bulls will win by 15. <laughs> you think You really think the Bulls are not going to be able to – Shaq, although I loved him as a player, he had huge holes. I mean, he's basically the Harold Miner of elite players. He had huge holes, but the the holes that he had would not be exploited by the Bulls. They had no they had, they had nobody that could guard him. That could even do anything to slow him down. I mean, so how do you see these this game breaking down? I mean, I I mean, you really seven think game just series, Shaq, and, and then it comes down to the last throws. shot. Shaq's a 50-50 well, free throw shooter. Well, I mean, maybe. 50-50. <laughs> I mean, I don't, I, don't, I don't know if the Bulls win. I, I, I don't know how. I just. I don't know what you do about I think, Shaq. I think, I think Rodman rotates on Shaq because they did that later on. I think Rodman rotates in on Shaq maybe a third of the possessions and really frustrates him a lot, draws a couple of charges. I think Shaq does not hit his average against the 97 98 bulls i could just see i I could see game seven rodman's going down on shack low he leaves ori ori kicks it out big shot bob you know just hits that game winning three like he always does like he always did with shack whenever the uh uh four left shack to go help out big shot that was always kind of snuck out that, that was my always my argument against against the bulls versus the lakers who who plays three for the Lakers? Mm. I mean, uh, Scottie Pippen's going to abuse that person. Very. If you want to, yes. if you want to make this about matchups, Michael Jordan's going to get whatever he wants. Again, I don't care if it's Kobe Bryant or Clyde uh, Drexler or whoever it is, the best defender you can dream of. He'll get whatever he wants. If you can ISO Scottie Pippen against who? Rick Fox. That's true. I, they do whatever they want. So, uh, to me, a seven game series. There's better matchups for the Bulls. I don't know. Who are you betting on straight up, Bats? Just don't even give me a breakdown. Just straight up, who are you betting on? Bats, you're the neutral basketball fan that, uh, what do you think? I mean, I don't care about your opinion, Uh, but what is it? 
Warrior sweep. <laughs> Don't even get me started on the Warriors. Oh, God damn. Please, this will be another hour of this podcast. <laughs> you, you don't have any thoughts on the Lakers, prime Lakers, prime Bulls, fans? I, I know you do. Uh, Shaq is always the, the what if. Like, Shaq is the monkey wrench to throw into all of these. Um, so I, I don't know. Like I'm, I'm obviously going to pick Jordan. Um, but Shaq is the biggest problem outside of, okay. So if you want to compare any great team to those bulls teams that you've got Shaq in his prime as, as one, just monkey wrench. And then you've got just the three point barrage that the warriors, but that that's, they play a completely different brand of basketball. Like that's not even, it's not even a consideration. Yeah. It's not the same sport. Those are the two, but but that is how good those Bulls teams were that takes a, a generational talent like Shaq or just a completely different brand of basketball. Like you have to break the sport to beat those Bulls teams. And maybe I'm an idiot Jordan fanboy, but uh, I'm not going to apologize for that. I'm going to side with the Bulls in all of these arguments. The... The thing about the Lakers, you're a smart La- man. You're a smart man. <clears throat> the Lakers Bulls played a close enough uh, game rules wise that you could at least compare that. The Warriors, if if you play by t- t- today's NBA rules, the Warriors would run them out of the gym <clears throat> because you can't touch anybody and they just outshoot them to death from the three point line. Well, and, and there's well, nothing you can do well, about you can't, that. If you drop the Warriors, like the whatever 2016 warriors 2017 warriors into any previous time i it's it's not even fair because they would be forcing you to defend parts of the court that you never had to defend at any point in time like the game is just so different that that they would have no idea how to even begin to guard like a Steph Draymond pick and roll with play in one corner and whoever in the other uh, it's it's just not even it's not even a fair uh a fair contest. Now take that Bulls team and bring them to today's game. Like their their roster construction with the switchability between like the Jordan, the Harper, the Pippen, the Kukoc, Rodman. Like they can at least put a five man lineup on the court that has a chance to defend modern offenses, uh, which is just another reason to speak to their greatness. Like they're one of those few teams that you can take from back in the day, like you take those Celtics Lakers teams and you try to bring them in. Like there's no chance that they can play against any like modern offense that they would have no prayer to defend them. Those Bulls teams could at least compete if they, um, even with all the rule changes, if they had a chance to adjust to the modern style. But if you take the Celtics from way back then with no three point line playing against the Warriors where all their shots count for two, you know what I mean? That, then that would change. Yeah, a absolutely. Like those 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 games in the eighties, they're just slug fights. It's it's trying little by little every possession just to get the ball as close to the basket as possible. It, it could not be a more different brand of basketball. Well, I, when you when the documentary goes further on, they'll they'll talk about this more. But uh, when when the Bulls were down the stretch in the uh, sort of games three through six of the NBA finals, they were trapping at the half court with Michael Jordan and Scottie Pippen. Okay. You don't really think of, Oh, what? So what does that mean? Who gives a shit? You got two of the best, 
defensive players in the history of the NBA trapping your point guard. They couldn't get the ball up the court sometimes when they played the Knicks, when John Starks and all those guys were playing. I uh, went back and watched one of those. I was inspired to watch it. I think it was a Bill Simmons podcast. I was talking about I was like, what the hell is he talking about? It was insane. I mean, they were running out there and trapping all over the place. Now, I don't know if you could do that because they'd probably, the rest would just throw a call a foul because you touched hip check somebody. But the fact, what would happen if you said, hey, um, KD and uh, Steph, can you uh, start trapping their point guard at half court? Well, would they quit? KD might quit. He might be like, I'm done. I don't do that. You know, I mean, it just, it, it's just a different. So speaking to the fact that it's a different NBA, those guys were different players. And they would have they would have they would have evolved their teams. This is so stupid. Now we're getting way off the side. But if MJ give me give me MJ and Scotty and let me design a team in the modern NBA around them. Yeah. And they'll still be the best team in the NBA. Does that make sense? Like, yeah, you're not gonna get your spot up wing shooter and your dumb white plotting center on that team in today's NBA, but I, I just still feel like Scotty and Michael best duo in the history of uh of the nba and i feel like you take them to any generation and they're going to dominate both of their games easily go today i mean there's nobody that wouldn't want scotty pippen on their team uh right now i mean he's Kawhi leonard or whatever and everybody talks about Kawhi being one of the best two players in the league just a shut down defensive player athletic long uh Kawhi might be a little bit better offensively but not much uh and jordan's Jordan's a better version of Kobe, and you saw what he did in this generation. So, well, what does Jordan do with no hand check? Scores I mean, a lot. No hand check. No, I mean, he scores. What I mean, he did score whenever he wanted. Then, no physicality. He doesn't. I mean, it's uh, those all these losers in the NBA now do the fadeaway jumper just to avoid expending energy. Yeah, Jordan did it because he finally couldn't dunk on people anymore. And that's the thing. When you see all these fadeaways, nobody shot that shot before Jordan did. No, no. guards shot the fadeaway. Now everybody's shooting fade. People are fadeaway threes. I, I'm an old man, I guess, but uh, give me Jordan. Give me Jordan and me against Kobe and Shaq. <laughs> Any day of the week, I'll take Kobe and Shaq for all the money I have. So. Okay, I'm sorry. I got a little too far <laughs> with my ski. Because you're because you're guarding Shaq in that scenario. So, uh, yeah. Anyway, I'll, I'll see. I mean, we we could go the rest of the night. I mean, you've got Shaq and Kobe versus Michael and Scotty versus uh, Jarrett Culver and Tariq Owens. I mean, we could argue <laughs> until we're blue in the face, and there's no right or wrong answer. Yeah. All right. I got nothing else. We've we've gone over an hour. So, anything else you want to part with, Steve? Fats. No, just um, continue to be optimistic that this is we're slowly coming out of this. Steve may can speak more to this uh, if some restrictions are actually loosening, how things may actually look for your business coming up, if if you even have an idea um, of, of what that is going to look like. But I think we're slowly coming out of this. I'm going to keep being optimistic and just hope everybody stays safe and uh, things will slowly get back to normal little by little. Steve, I mean, pe- people are going to slow, and this is not a polit. I know people feel strongly all over the place. People are slowly but surely going to understand that we fucked up. 
big time. And uh, we kind of went up. You know what we did? We got so excited as a country that we took Steve and Michael Jordan against Shaq and Kobe. <laughs> and uh, it's uh, just, you know, sometimes people get a little uh, excited. Everybody's so risk-averse in today's society that they just they just can't deal with the worst-case scenario. And, um, you know, it is what it is. And, and, and listen, I've got family members now that have lost people to this this virus. It's not a fake thing. It's a real problem. Um but man, when you see the Chase, you got kids. You know your kids aren't as old as mine, but we're 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 stealing six months of their lives from them. Yeah, no and, doubt. And and um, I I just I just hope the people if the I just I'm telling you right now if the people that were making the decisions weren't the people the same kind of people that are dying from this disease, um, there'd be a lot different different situation that's going on but that being said everybody stay safe and um you know take your hydrochloroquine uh i take i take uh five or six <laughs> tablets a day uh i've lost all my hair and uh i can't eat but uh, i think i'll be fine yeah all right i got nothing you don't want to hear me talk about the state of the economy so uh in my neck of the woods, so we'll listen. Listen, I, I I heard about the oil prices last week. If you want to send me a couple G's, I'll, I'll pick up some oil. <laughs> I mean, if that's the apparently is that the way that explain this to me on a very very like like I'm a third grader. Like okay, I will explain it to you like you're a third grader. Let's pretend that uh, let me try to do this correctly. Let's pretend that you ordered a escort. Uh, to come to your house in a month, okay? I like where you're going with this, okay. okay so you order an escort. Yeah, let, let's pretend. Let's pretend you ordered an escort to come to your house in a month. And um, you, you, you ordered her for a time that your wife was going to be out of town for a week, okay? And uh, you get closer to that time that she's coming, and then you realize that, um, A, your wife's going to be home, and B, um, you're going to be home and you're not going to be able to go meet her at a hotel room. So you have, you're trying to get rid of your proposal. Okay. So you call her handler and you're like, Hey, I don't want to deal with this woman anymore. My wife's going to be here. I can't leave my house. I can't meet you at a hotel, whatever. And he's like, well, um, I, I don't know what to tell you because every other person in the world's in the same position as you and nobody else wants this girl either. So what are you going to pay me for you not having to take the burden of this escort? So I'm like, well, I've already going to pay you a hundred dollars. So now I guess I'm going to pay you $150. So I don't have to deal with it. So here, here you go. Here's $150. Can you make this thing go away? Just, I don't want to worry about it again. I have nowhere to go. There's nobody other, there's no other guys that could take her. Uh, and I'm stuck here with nothing else to do. So, I'm just going to pay you to make the problem go away. So it's your problem now and it's not mine. And that is, in a nutshell, the negative $37 oil crisis. People wanted these wanted oil, uh, didn't think it was going to be like this. They have nowhere to put it. They have no storage. They're committed to 1,000 barrels of oil. Uh, nobody else wants it either. So they're like, what can I pay you to make it your problem and not mine? 
and whatever it is, I'll pay you so that you have to figure it out, not me. And that is the uh, crude oil collapse in a nutshell that only the Force Carry podcast can bring you. Look, look, I'm not a rich man, (laughs) but why don't I just stroll down, well, I'll drive down, and then go out on the port in Charleston, where I assume, I assume down in Charleston, Charleston's the fifth largest port in the world, biggest one on the East Coast. I assume there's a whole tanker full of oil out there, right? I mean, probably multiple, Jace, is out there just sitting in port right now? Mm-hmm. Okay, if it's negative, let's just say it's free. Why don't I just start loading U-Hauls with it and bringing it over to my pro? I don't, I, I don't fundamentally understand the physics. Of, so, what, so they'll just hand me the barrels of oil? I don't know if they would. If you like, came up to thirty-seven dollars. That, yeah. That's where a normal person like me. It's all on a thousand barrel this. contracts. Okay, so so if I said, all right, I'll take a, th- and I'm not trying to get you to pay me for it, but let's just say it's a dollar. All right, I'll pay a dollar a barrel. That's not a realist. It's not like a, it's it's one of those like finance class hypotheticals, right? I can't literally go buy a thousand barrels of oil for a dollar a barrel, can I? Yeah, somewhere if you can find it, and you got somewhere to put it, you could. No doubt. Well, what what is their incentive? They just want to clear their boat so they can put more oil on it. Who's they? Who is they? I, I don't know. I don't even know what I'm talking about. I told yeah, you. Yeah, like if you, if you're a tanker, trailer. you've got another month worth of oil coming your way, so you got to get rid of it. Uh, so and for the producers here, they've got these wells pumping, and it, it, it's not just you can't just say I'm going to go off tonight and flip a switch and turn all the oil off. It takes a long time to do it safely and um, correctly so that someday you hope to produce from those wells again. So for two or three months, everybody's trying to shut these wells in, but it, you can't just flip a switch. So we got all these wells producing. So every month we just got more oil coming on and on and on. There's nowhere now, to I go get it with from it. A pro- I get it from a producer standpoint, from, from an actual physical sales standpoint. What I don't understand is like, should I just go rent a backhoe and dig a hole in my backyard? That, that is illegal. But if you came to Texas right now, if you came to my house and you brought you brought a 5,000-gallon tank, I guarantee you I could find somebody that would pay you to fill it up. No question. And then you just have mm-hmm. to figure out what to do with it after that. So I don't know what it would be at a port, but here... I mean, people are setting tanks all over the place just to put excess oil in so they don't have to send it to Cushing, Oklahoma, which is where uh, it gets refined and stored. So we're finding any means possible to store it. If you've got any kind of storage, come here and you can take it and we'll pay you to take it so that uh, somebody can do something with it uh, until we can shut the wells down. And then in a year, when everything's back to normal, we'll be on the other end and oil will be a hundred dollars and we'll be trying to figure out how to turn it all back on after we've figured out how to turn it all back off. So it's going to be a several years of just, just terrible, (laughs) terrible stuff here in the Permian. So there you go. I, I, uh, it's hard to believe I said this about our, our conspiracy virus podcast a couple weeks ago. I know this all seems random, but it's hard to believe when you produce a set of circumstances like this that this is all random, you know? I mean, am I wrong about that? Am I the only one that thinks that this is just a little... Because volatility only benefits the folks that are at the very top to be able to take advantage of it. That's it. And I guess the very bottom now, because you can make more money 
<clears throat> getting laid off than you can. Uh, the people that we've laid off are probably doing better now than they would have met working yes. 45 hours Correct. a week, you know, with cut down yep. hours or whatever. So, yes, for the majority right, of the country, well, yeah, it's no good. So, Well, I'm going to go dig a hole in the backyard, and I'm going to spend the next 24 hours figuring out whether to fill it with oil or with my dead body. So uh, thank you for that brief uh, recap of the current economy, Jace. Oh, yeah. So anyways, all right, we'll we'll uh, we'll connect next week sometime with something to talk about. See you later.